This is the Create Yourself Podcast. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Create Yourself Podcast. Today, my guest was Jess Durando of IN3 Nutrition. She is their mindset expert and a nutrition coach with them. Man, this conversation went in so many different directions. We touched on um, having a healthy mindset, how to overcome adversity, um, positive affirmations. We talked a lot about pre and postnatal nutrition, which is something that um, you, the listener, wanted to hear from her with getting her on here for this. So I'm excited for you guys to meet her and to and to get information from her. Um, now, do us a favor before we get into it. Um, as always, the only way that we can grow this podcast is if we can get more people to listen to it and to get more people to subscribe. Um, so do me a favor. I want you to take a screenshot with your phone, post it on your Instagram story, and then I want you to chat, tag Jess and uh, myself in it. Um, she is at Jess Durando underscore IN3, and I am at the CF7C coach. And then do me a favor too. We, we live and breathe in the podcast world off of uh, reviews and star ratings on iTunes. So please head over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Let me know what you like about the podcast, who you want me to have on. Uh, overall, just give me some feedback on it. Um, now, without anything else, we're going we're gonna to jump into it. I'm going to get Jess on here. Hope you enjoy, and I'll talk to you next week. So Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, we were talking a little bit before we uh, started recording here, and uh, something that I think is going to be amazing is the female listeners that are list- that listen to my podcast are going to get um, they're going to be able to resonate with your message, and um, especially recently some things that you uh, have done with having a baby and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be amazing to to talk to you today and to ask you some questions and be able to siphon some knowledge out of your brain today. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So. Um, Let's jump right into this thing and let's start digging into to, to who you are and, and, and what your background is. Um, so in, in a nutshell, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do. How'd you get into it? All the things. Perfect. Yeah. So my background actually is not in nutrition at all. Um, my background is actually in clinical counseling. So I went to school. I have, you know, my bachelor's degrees in psych and sociology, went on to get my master's in social work and got licensed as a clinical social worker. So I worked for probably about eight to nine years in different settings as a clinical counselor. Um, and, you know, just started to find the more and more that I worked with clients, the more we started trying to use all of these different therapeutic techniques the more it just kind of came down to the basics. And if we were able to start creating lifestyle changes with people, maybe shifting the way that they thought about their life and their choices and their environment, they were more likely to have physical and mental wellness, maybe stop self-sabotaging as much, maybe stop utilizing coping skills like food or alcohol or exercise, over-exercising to cope with some of their life stressors. And it really overlapped with... um, working with my own nutrition coach, which was Jason Phillips at the time, mm-hmm. and starting to see a lot of shifts in my own mental health and wellness and letting go of some unhealthy habits, changing my own relationship with food. And so I just became incredibly passionate about bridging that mind-body connection and utilizing all of my tools that I had as a counselor and being able to apply it to my coaching clients, um, especially in the world of nutrition. So that was really what eased me into this field. And, you know, I love nutrition. I love learning about it. I've always had a passion for it, but I also think having the background that I had in clinical counseling has helped me actually be a coach more than just somebody who understands nutrition. 
Awesome. Awesome. You know, that's something that it, I actually uh, did a post about. Um, I, I sent out like an email to my nutrition clients every week. And I, I talked to them about in the past, I would give somebody like a macro setup and I'm like, Hey, you know, go nuts, go have fun with that. And then um, obviously they would fail. Um, I, I really looked over the mindset component and how important it is to, to coach people through things like having a good relationship with food, because without your mindset, people are, as a coach, you're almost setting your clients up for failure. And I think it's important that you realize that right, right before you even got into this. And, and obviously it helps that you were a counselor beforehand too. Yeah, I think we tend to underestimate the role mindset has. I mean, to me, it's just the foundation upon which everything else can be built. Like you learn, you can give somebody macros, you can talk to them about nutrient density or training or things like that. But if they are getting in their own way, if they have cognitive barriers, they don't know how to overcome, if they feel really alone in the world, if they don't know how to be accountable, you know, all of that's good and well, but it's not going to actually help them find success. So once we started recognizing mindset to be overlooked and realizing that a lot of coaches just didn't have training, um, a lot of programs out there didn't focus on any sort of application piece to working with clients. A lot of my clients hadn't worked with coaches before who knew what to do when when they weren't seeing success because they didn't know how to be compliant and hit their numbers. Um, we really saw a strong need of like, okay, but there needs to be more emphasis on mindset in this space. 100%. I, I failed so many clients not realizing that at a, at a at, I'm going to say at a train at an early trainer age, not realizing that. And I was just setting people up for failure left and right. And um, now fast forwarding a little bit, knowing how important that piece is, it uh, has allowed me to actually help so many more people, get to where they're going to go. Um, so uh, yeah, coming to that realization has been huge for me. So yeah. you're actually like the IN3 mindset coach. Um, was it your, like your, your counseling history and all these things that you had a realization in your own personal journey that helped you to really get into that? Like how did that title, uh, how did you become like the mindset coach of IN3? Yeah, I was trying to think of this and I don't even, I think it just kind of happened organically. You know, I think majority of coaches come to this space because we've had our own journeys and had some sort of success or revelation and we want to pay it forward and we want to give back and help other people who have been on a similar road or, or struggle with the same thing. So I mean, we're lucky with IN3. We just have a remarkable team of great coaches and all of us kind of have our own stories and we all, you know, have mindset work that we've done and are willing to do with our clients. But that said, yeah, I think just, you know, having the counseling background that I have and mostly just really being comfortable sitting with the uncomfortable, having those conversations with my clients, being willing to dig deeper. Um, I was recording a podcast with Jason earlier and that was one thing we talked about is, you know, I love when a client loses weight or they hit a PR or they do whatever their goal is set out to what they want to accomplish. But for me, the ultimate success is when they're like, man, I, I was able to like go out and enjoy a social situation and not feel like I had to undo it with three hours in the gym. Or I took ownership of how I had been self-sabotaging myself and really made changes. Or I changed food rules. I had pizza, which I always labeled as bad, and now I could eat it. You know, I, I think that I just started celebrating the mindset piece so much more. Um, and I think when Jason and I had talked about client issues, we really recognized what you saw as a coach. We're doing everything right from the nutrition perspective, but something's missing with their ability, with clients' abilities to commit, or my ability to coach them better, or whatever the case may be. And we 
we really came up with the idea of creating this mindset specialist certification course. We wanted to make sure coaches felt supported and like they could better coach clients and therefore by default, reach more clients who deserved a coach who was comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations with them. So I also wrote the mindset specialty course with Nutrition Coaching Institute, um, which, you know, I'm really proud of. I put a lot of work into it and it's now uh, accredited by the National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is amazing. Awesome. So a lot of, yeah, I mean, and that for me was validating too that, okay, there's a need for this. People get it. And I, I really think just the combination of the emphasis I put into my coaching along with creating the course, teaching the course, trying to put out content related to increasing the awareness that we have to address mindset. I think that's just kind of organically how the whole mindset specialist came up. I don't, I sometimes, I just have so much to learn too. That's kind of the way that it goes. You know, I, the more I, the more I learn, the more I realize how much more there is to learn. So the whole specialist thing always <laughs> makes me laugh a little bit, but I'm thankful to be in a position where people utilize the information I give them and are able to implement it with clients. You know, in the past, I was so, I was that person that thought all this mindset talk was just foo-foo. It was just stuff that nobody really cared about, that nobody really thought had any value. But then when I started using it and like, when I started using it in my own life, like, like Cody McBroom is my business coach. Uh -huh. um, he started having me do this silly thing. And I talked about it on a previous podcast. Like he was like, every morning I want you to go to the mirror and I want you to pump yourself up. Like yeah. say some things that you would be scared to do. Like, like develop your mindset and belief in yourself. And then that in turn will help everybody that you touch. And I started doing that and, and it quickly went from like being this foo-foo thing to something I truly believed in. And now when I'm using it with my clients, we're getting some amazing results with people, but not on the level of like, you know, body composition, whether the muscle gain, body fat loss thing, whatever we decide to do, like that's cool. But what is the most, uh, I would say rewarding at this point is to hear, hear people's like shift in their mentality of how they look at things, how they look at failure, how they look at adversity, um, almost to the point where they welcome that adversity because they have this, this capacity of their mind to handle it now. I've got mm -hmm. one client in particular that I'm thinking about that she, I mean, she literally hasn't lost any weight. She, we've been walking her through this long process of a reverse diet and she uh, sent me her check-in picture the other weekend and something that was most noticeable when I looked at her first picture versus her most recent one she had, her chest popped out, her hands on her hip. She had this little sass about her. Yeah, what I, I saw it. was confidence, that confidence and like, like I'm crushing it. My mindset is completely different than it was four months ago and nothing's even changed on the scale. So I found that to be super powerful. Yeah, I've made clients resend me their progress pictures <laughs> where yeah. they didn't look so miserable because I get these progress pictures with their head down and shame, you know, and, and I get it with a message of like, this is so embarrassing. And you know what? I, I've been that person too. So I get it. I think, you know, what we, where we come from allows us to be empathetic, but I love activities like what Cody has you do because it's a fine line between being a coach and being a counselor. And I never want to encourage other coaches to have to play therapist, but even little activities like that, which are completely in the scope of practice of a coach in a way they're making cognitive change without you even realizing it. You're not in a therapy room. You're not having to talk about, you know, your childhood or this negative thought or whatever, but you are replacing old habits of negative thinking with positive thoughts. And I think a lot of people do think mindset is kind of silly and kind of foo-foo because it's not, black and white. Um, I don't want to say it's not science-based. There's tons of amazing studies on different mindset-related topics, yeah, but, sure. there's, but there's a lot of gray area where it's a lot easier to just be like, 
here are your macros, here's how nutrition works. You know, it's, it's much more regimented and mindset is so individualized, but we are all individuals. We're all really unique. And so I think that the worst thing we can do as coaches is treat our clients like they fit into a certain box or they're just another number. I think it's our responsibility to educate ourselves on how to treat clients like the individuals that they are. And therefore we just have to address mindset, especially in the world of nutrition coaching. Every single human being eats. Every single person is going to be dealing with nutrition in some way, shape or form for the rest of their life. But if they don't have to hate themselves or hate the process, that's a game changer. And that matters way more in 10 years than you know what you deadlifted in the gym on May 3rd. Oh my gosh. So true. And for instance, when people come to me and especially in my gym and they're like, Hey, you know, um, can I get a macro set up for you? And I'm like, no, like I, I, I'm just not going to do that because I know how important it is that I'm going to have to coach you through the mental struggles that you get into, especially if you get deep down into a cut and you're like thinking crazy and maybe things aren't moving. Like I'm going to, you're going to need somebody to, uh, for lack of better words, like talk you off of that, uh, that the ridge that you want to jump off of and just throw everything out the window. And, um, I, man, more than ever, I, I'm using these principles with my clients. You know, say that. something to pump yourself up. Journal. Yeah. Every time you find yourself being triggered by something negative, what's going on? So that they can just create an awareness around what's going on with their mentality when those things are happening. Right, right. And I think doing habits like that allows us to lean into fear a little bit. You know, I... I don't know, maybe some people would disagree with me. I think that there's always this goal, though, to like avoid triggers, to avoid negative feelings. How can we move around it? And my thought has always been those triggers are happening for a reason. There's some sort of pressure point that's being pushed for a reason. You know, as long as this is an outside of scope of practice, as long as this isn't some significant trauma or something that needs to be addressed with a therapist, how can we lean into this a little bit and maybe? not fear failing or not fear being responsible for ourselves and and really identify why this is so anxiety provoking because on the other side of that is where success lives yeah i, I use a quote in my my own personal stuff that i, I say it to every, every time something's going on in my business that's very stressful i always just remind myself like adversity breeds expansion like yeah. as, a, as a person i want to expand and grow and uh, i usually know that i'm going to come out on the other side of that adversity a better person absolutely and that's it. a great mindset that's huge right right um so it, it, and maybe i'm jumping the gun here and you can completely just say like no that's confidential but I, i'd love to know if you would and i know it's going to be a hundred percent individualized but could you give me an example of like one or two principles that you use through your mindset course um to to help people develop a, a better thought process around things yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's become really helpful for me building upon old skills that I had as a counselor is just recognizing that our thoughts create the entire world around us. And if we have, if the quality of our thoughts are positive and they breed a feeling of self-worth and belonging and optimism, we're more likely to be successful. And we're also more likely to endure through the times that aren't successful if we feel supported, if we feel accountable, if we understand the process, and if we recognize that we're not doing it alone. So, you know, main things for me with my clients is to make sure that they feel like they're being held accountable in the way that works best for them, whether that be through check-ins or setting mini goals or stuff like that. Um, and those things have to include the mindset piece. So it's not just hit your macros today. It's let's do the cognitive work as well. Even little things like pumping yourself up in the mirror, journaling, 
writing down areas of negativity, but it's also us really doing the work on understanding what thoughts they're having that lead to behaviors that don't help them work towards the outcome. So, you know, for me, my background in counseling was the primary, the primary therapeutic modality I utilized was called cognitive behavioral therapy. And that was just basically the concept that our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings lead into us acting and behaving in a certain way and that channels back into our thought process. So, I mean, you can Google cognitive behavioral triangle um, and that'll give people a really nice visual. But basically what we're looking at is what are you thinking day to day? about yourself, about the world around you, and how do those thoughts make you feel? Do they make you feel positive emotions? Do they make you feel uncomfortable emotions? And because of those feelings, how are you acting? So an example I like to give is, you know, I go to a restaurant and I have planned what I'm going to eat, and then I find out that they had a menu change, or they don't have my, my option available anymore. And my initial thought is like, oh no, I've failed. I don't know what to pick off the video. Be all messed up. Like, what am I going to do? And as a as a result of that, I feel really anxious and defeated. And you know, maybe I've also had thoughts of like, well, screw it, I messed up anyway, so I might as well order whatever. You know, and that maybe makes me feel just really frustrated with myself or sad or whatever that uncomfortable emotion might be. And as a result of it, I then order, you know the burger and fries and the ice cream and then go home and eat the pantry and do all the things or maybe <laughs> I go to the gym the next day and I feel like I've got to do three workouts instead of one to undo whatever it is that I think that I've done and as a result of doing those actions then I just that circles back and gives me more negative thoughts if instead I recognize that that's my automatic thought and I seek to change it instead I say like okay they they don't have the salmon and veggies I plan to order but they do have like a steak and veggies or a grilled chicken or or they don't have anything that works well for me but I recognize this is one meal and it's not that big of a deal and right now eating out with my friends and quality of life matters more if those are the thoughts then I might feel a little bit more motivated or a little bit more empowered or just a little less anxious and stressed and as a result of that I order my meal and I enjoy time with my friends and then I get back to my life the next day and so then it just creates a different cognitive process we have change nothing about the situation. We can't change the menu. All that we can change is how we think about it. And that therefore changes how we feel about it and how we act because of it. And I think just starting to bridge that gap for clients, it starts to allow for all these aha moments of like, oh man, for years, I've just been beating myself up about this, or I've been creating these narratives for myself about how I'm worthless, or I'm a failure, or I can't do anything right because it's not perfect. But just by opening myself up to reframing that thought in a different way, my whole reality has changed too. I mean, there was so much value in that. I hope people are like, if, guys, if you don't have a notepad right now, you are cutting yourself short because there's so much, there's so much good stuff in what you just said. Uh, you know, for instance, with all the things that you just said, I recommend uh, loving what is that, that book. I recommend it to everybody because it is everything you just talked about. Because sometimes like you, you literally just can't change things. Like you just got to accept it for the situation that you're in and then do the best you can to get over it. And I work with that with my clients all the time. You know, like you get that crazy email, like, Oh my God, I did so terrible in my thing. Like last night my, my diet was off. I don't, I don't know what happened. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, look, you know, we just got to reset. You're not a failure because you failed. You just got to reset and keep going with, you know, you got to deal with it for, for what it is and let it go. And yeah. then, um, I mean, and that's just a simple way to apply 
your approach to it because you can't change it. It, it is what it is. Right. Right. And I think helping clients identify, you can't control this, but what can you control that makes us not feel like we're spiraling as much when we feel like, okay, maybe I can actually channel this energy into something I do have control over and let go of what I don't have control over. Right. Right. You know, like I had people, you mentioned like going out to dinner and, you know, they don't have what you want. So you end up just having something to enjoy time with your friends. And the past couple of months, I've had a lot of my, my clients who are like going on vacations and stuff. And they're like, you know, how am I like, I don't know how I'm going to stay on my macros. I don't know how I'm going to like make sure that I eat all the protein that I need to eat. And I'm like, look, you're going with your family to Disneyland. Just have a good time. Be mindful of what you're doing and enjoy yourself. We can always pick back up where we left off. And I'm, and I always try to make sure that I throw a caveat in, like, I'm not welcoming you to go eat all the things and eat a churro from every stand you walk by, but I am telling you to just enjoy yourself a little bit and know that it's not over because you're going to be, you know, not hitting your macros perfect for a week. We have to accept the situation for what it is. We can fix it when you get back. Right. Yeah. I think we just live in a culture where so many of us chase aesthetics, especially for so much of our life. And we constantly feel like we have to diet. We have to cut, you know, for me, it was like a mind blowing revelation that I should not diet every day for the rest of my life. Like that a deficit should be short term and temporary, um, all to move out of it. And that like, I could periodize my nutrition based on my goals. Like that whole concept was mind blowing, but it also was this revelation of like, I'm not getting on stage for a physique show. You know, I don't, I don't need to go down into the depths of a deficit where I'm completely miserable if I want to, because I want to challenge my body and see what I'm capable of. Cool. Then I'll make that decision based on my own internal values. But for me, a big mindset shift came in recognizing that my quality of life mattered. My time with my husband matters, my time with my kids and friends and travel and all the the really good, beautiful parts of life matter to me. And unfortunately, sometimes when we're really in the diet phase and we're going all at it, that's just not where quality of life lives. No. And that's okay. temporary, right? Like we can do it for a few weeks and then transition out. But it's gotten to where more and more clients are coming to me and it's very clear that they have begun to prioritize how they think they want to look and how they think that they will feel when they look that way over just enjoying their life. And, you know, we get one shot at it. So I would rather us find a good balance than feel like we have to give one area up completely unless somebody's got a really good reason to do so. Awesome. Yeah, so much <laughs> So I should be taking notes myself here. Good thing I can just go back and listen to this whenever I want to. Um, so I'm assuming you see a lot of clients across the board and you deal with a lot of things. And I, and I always reference this, uh, this lately, uh, the past couple of months, Cody had uh, a mastermind that a lot of us went to and inside the mastermind, he asked this question to us and all of us had the exact same issue or like mental struggle. Um, so, and it was just crazy to see, you know, 10, entrepreneurs, fitness people that I'll probably touch 50 to 100 people, each of us, but we all have these mental battles that we fight. So I, I like to ask this question and it's like across the board with clients that you see, I'm sure you see a bunch, what are some like some similarities that you find that you always have to help them work through? You know, it's not with all of my clients, but I would say a majority of my clients, one trend that I see that we have to tackle with mindset is this lack of self-worth. And I think that that's really powerful because it's typically something that's developed 
over time and you know years and years of thinking or telling ourselves that we're not good enough or we're undeserving or we're not capable it becomes toxic and it becomes automatic and i don't think that we realize how much that becomes laced with every other action we take in our life because if our running narrative is i'm not enough then then you start to believe that you're not enough professionally personally in parenthood you know whatever the case may be um and so i think so much of working with with a lot of my clients and obviously a lot of my clients come to me with mindset related issues is us really digging into where does the belief come from that you're unworthy? What would it look like for you to believe in yourself? And what would it look like for you to not fear failing or risking or trying because you know that you're worthy enough? And that's incredibly complex. And sometimes where I'm able to go into really deep discussions like that with my clients. And sometimes it's a little bit more surface level, more so like, hey, you sent me this in a check-in, but I want to touch upon it because you keep saying that you're failing, but here's all the data showing that you've actually been incredibly successful. You know, sometimes it's just as simple as reframing to let, let people know that what they're doing is enough and they're enough as they continue to move forward. Yeah. I use a, I have some clients sometimes who get a little squirrely. They, they start thinking like, ah, you know, I I got this, I messed up one time and now I'm a failure. And I'm like, well, let's go look at some stuff here. And then we go and we look at like their metric tracker. And I'm like, you've been hitting your macros all week. You've been training. You've been having a great day or you've been having a great week. You're just having one bad day. Um, and, and you have to remember that everything's still okay. Like, let's look at all the things you have accomplished before you go start shutting yourself down. Um, yeah. And then I, and I always tell them like, look, you're having a bad day. It's going to be all right but you deserve this and let's stay on track because you deserve this in your life. You told me you wanted these things. And um, I believe that your worth is uh, to, to keep going on this thing. Right, right. Well, and people talk a lot about motivation and why well, I'm just not feeling motivated or I got back from my trip. I'm having a hard time getting back onto it. And, you know, they asked me like how, I'll just start when I'm motivated again. Like how do I get motivated? And for me, <clears throat> It comes and goes. If we just keep waiting for that, we're going to be waiting forever. Typically, motivation comes from taking action, and being able to take action comes from being confident enough to take action. Whether that means that you know you're going to be successful or you're willing to risk it even if you're not. And so, to me, it all continually comes back to this feeling of knowing that you're worthy enough and worth it to continue to move forward. I love that. So, working with your clients and, and helping them through this mindset stuff. Are there any like specific practices that you use with them? Like maybe like a, a certain thing they do in the morning or in the evening throughout midday. Like what are some examples of some practices that you would give to a client? Um, and, and I know that's going to be hundred and hundred percent individualized too, but if you could just give me a couple examples that way, maybe somebody who is listening has that similar issue and they could implement that. Yeah, so kind of like the pump up in the morning, I've had clients like just one day sit down and write a list of like on post-it, seven different positive statements, compliments, things like that. And every morning they put one up in their mirror and they use that as a mantra for the rest of the day to, to move through their day or at least start their day by complimenting themselves or having that sort of positive mantra. Um, I've had clients draw out the cognitive triangle when they get to a really distressing situation and they've got to write the situation at the top and then they've got to write you know, through the triangle. What was I thinking? What were my thoughts? How did that make me feel? How did I act? And then go back and redo it. 
how could I think about the situation in a more productive way that makes me feel you know, more comfortable, positive emotions, and how would that help me act differently? Um, and, and then there's just always like good little things I think we can all do, you know, practicing meditation, being out in nature, getting sunshine, um, practicing gratitude. I think, you know, practicing gratitude is one of the best ways to interrupt anxiety and obsessive thoughts. Like having people pick up books like the five minute journal, you know, things like that, that they can record in every morning, write down what they're grateful for, set intentions for the day. Anything that really fosters positivity is going to help challenge all of those negative thoughts. I mean, I've even had clients just celebrate tiny wins throughout the day. They got that parking spot they wanted. They had, you know, whatever item at the store back in stock. There's so many constant opportunities for celebration in our life that we miss and we by by nature it's human nature to just be more inclined to focus on the negative than the positive like sometimes it's just how our our brains are wired it's a protective instinct to be able to help you know predict when danger is coming and and know how to deal with it but it becomes habit forming to just always pick the, the one negative thing and minimize the hundred positive things that happen. So I think really creating the opportunity for clients to be present and focus on positive things as they're occurring in their life is powerful. Journaling hands down has yep. been one of the most powerful things that I've ever started doing. And I don't remember where I picked it up from, but it started with a five minute journal and then I got another five minute journal and filled that one out. Then I fell into stoicism. And then uh, lately I've just been doing just freehand journaling on how I feel writing things down, asking myself questions. And that's been great. And, and then sometimes I lose focus on like what I'm working towards. So like I'll rewrite my goal and why I want it, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it, as far as like some practices that I've used too, is I, I had a client, this one client that I'm thinking of in particular that she, she struggles a lot with like celebrating her successes, like you mentioned before. And I, I had her do this thing one time where I was like, every day for the next three days, I want you to do something nice for yourself. And it was like the first thing she like went and got her hair done. And then the next day she went and got her nails done. And then by that third day, she's like, like, oh my gosh, I just feel, it feels good to, to feel good. Like to feel joy yeah. feels nice because we, we often, I, I find this with a lot of my clients, they like, they don't know how to feel joy. They don't know how to feel happiness or uh, how to reward themselves or to enjoy the success that they're having because we're so used to being negative. We're so used to cutting ourselves down and cutting ourselves short. And it's, um, it can be different to actually do something nice or say something nice about yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes we, you know, I talk a lot about Brene Brown. I'm a just enormous fan of her work and a lot of her research. And one concept that she talks about is how we become so uncomfortable with negative feelings or difficult feelings that we try and cope with it, cope through food, cope through alcohol, whatever it is. And what we don't realize is that in the process of trying to numb ourselves to the bad, we inadvertently numb ourselves to the good. We can't we can't pick and choose what we numb ourselves to. So being able to work through it, to cope through it, still allows us to experience all emotions, to just attempt to constantly numb it and avoid it and pretend it doesn't exist. We're really doing ourselves a disservice when we want to feel happy and joyful and grateful as well. We, my wife and I just, we just, um, we almost finished it last night, but we've been watching her documentary that was on Netflix. Yes. And she said something during the documentary. It was like, uh, true vulnerability is true strength. Or, yeah. or true power. And, and when I heard that, I instantly had all these light bulbs go off. And that was, the, that was what I wrote about in my, um, my check-in email for my clients this weekend. And I'm probably going to recommend her documentary to everybody because everybody has yeah. Netflix. But there, yeah. 
there's so many truths and she's a hundred percent right when she's talking about, I mean, she goes into the, like enjoying the small things that you don't think are important now that will be important later. Um, but just the, and the whole joy aspect, the whole vulnerability thing is something that people just shy away from. And, uh, a lot of people are just walking around numb, just like you said. Yep, exactly. And I also recommend her TED talk, the power of vulnerability. That's where she talks a lot about that concept. And I mean, even as a coach, like even if coaches are listening for me, that's something that I'll post in my mindset groups for people to watch. Like, it's just, sometimes it's even having the inspiration of other people to trigger, like, how can I be a better coach? How can I use that with my clients? That's the lens that I tend to look at a lot of things through. And every time I listen to anything of hers, it just takes me with a million different takeaways. So um, yeah, her TED Talks are available on YouTube. They're 20 minutes. They're well worth the listen. Anything from her is awesome. She's also really funny too. I I was uh, thrown off by how many times I've laughed during the first 10 minutes of her documentary. Um, okay. So let, let, let's stay on this topic a little bit more. I'm liking where it's going. Um, I'm curious, like when a client first comes to you, like I see this a lot with my clients, they're just overwhelmed by all this stuff. You know, we're, we're overwhelmed with information on mindset, on being mindful, on nutrition, dieting, all this stuff. What is like the first thing you would implement with a client to get them going in the right direction, whether it be their mindset needs attention first or their diet? Where would you specifically start with getting somebody from going from the overwhelm, the information overload into taking one step? What might that look like? I mean, for me, I'm just going to the simplest thing that we can focus on and be successful for in the first week. And we take it day by day. And that might be, can you wear your Apple watch and track how many steps you took? Can you make note of how many hydroflasks you drink? Um, can you make sure to like have some sort of protein at every meal? You know, if people, and then from there we build. Sometimes I'll have clients who are like, listen, I've done this before. I've done macros before. Like I'm comfortable. Let's just get going. And I'm like, cool. I can throw, I can throw everything out at them. I can give them their numbers. We can talk about food quality. We can talk about hydration, supplementation, timing, like, cool, let's go all in on it. And then I have clients who are like, I don't know. Like, I don't really remember the last time I ate a vegetable. And it's like, okay, for this week, let's make a list of three vegetables that you would consider eating. And I think that it is okay to start small. I think sometimes, you know, we as coaches feel this responsibility to go really big right off the bat. I don't know if it's that we expect a lot of ourselves or, well, they're paying us, so I should be offering them results right away. But I mean, logically, we know better. We know things don't happen overnight. And we we know that they signed on for coaching to make real change. And sometimes real change means hey, you, I can tell that you kind of skipped over some of these tougher questions on your intake. You're a little vague. I want you to send it back to me being a little bit more in depth. That is where the coaching process starts from day one. It doesn't start when the first pound is lost or when the first gym session happens. Day one of coaching starts when the rapport is being built and you're willing to challenge your client and encourage your client to take steps in the po- and you know, the most positive direction. But I think that it's okay to start small and really get a bearing on how people are doing and go from there. I also think that allows us to celebrate. I mean, the the toughest thing is to be vulnerable and maybe sign up for coaching and feel like you're making an investment and you can't get it right. And that was a mistake that I made with a lot of clients right off the bat was even, you know, knowing how to address mindset stuff. I don't think that I was always great about being 
present with them and and starting where they needed us to start. Um, and so they'd be a week or two in and they'd be completely overwhelmed and be like, I'm failing at this. I don't know how to do this. So for me, I was like, okay, I, I could get better by sitting with them and, and sitting where they're at. And so there's nothing wrong with being like, cool, I want you to, you know, walk 5,000 steps every day, minimum. Let's, let's start there. And then when they crush that goal, celebrate the hell out of it because we all deserve to be celebrated. And that's not meant to be like a gimmicky coaching thing. That's meant to be, there's so many parts of this process that matter and lead you to the ultimate outcome. And if we're just so focused on the outcome and we're not breaking it down and starting small and celebrating the simple victories that happen, we're overlooking all of these really crucial fundamental elements that actually make the biggest difference that's so true because you know sometimes people come and you're talking about like doing small habits and allowing those things to build and then celebrating them I, it reminds me of a conversation i had with a, a person recently who was like inquiring about nutrition coaching and she was like you know how long should i expect to you know it, you know spend time in my nutrition and uh like how much time should i invest into this uh, and I was like, well, that's going to be one of those type, it depends type questions. It's how much work do we got to do? What is that goal or that outcome that you want? Because I'm going to be honest with you, if you're looking for like a quick fix, I'm going to lose 10 pounds before this wedding in a month. I don't know that I'm the person that you need to work with because yeah. I'm not looking for a quick fix. I'm looking for sustainable change. So if I can get you to have a better relationship with food, understand and be more educated around nutrition and macronutrients and mindset and mindfulness and and all these good practices, if I can teach you all those things, I'm not gonna be able to do it in a, in a week or two or a month, probably not even three months. I'm gonna need a good substantial amount of time so that I can layer these things in correctly and then set you up for success in the future so that if I'm being honest, so that you can fire me down the road. Yep, exactly. Nope, that's the exact right way. I'm, my goal is to never be a crutch for my clients. You know, if, if clients are with me for an extended period of time, then I want to make sure that I'm offering value to them and that they still have room to grow. But, you know, I'm not the coach who, after a year of working together, is going to fight you when you want to try it on your own. I want that for you. My whole goal is to give you education and skills and empower you to go out alone. Now, I want you to trust the process. I don't want you quitting on it, you know, before we've really done the work. But when we're seeing significant mindset-related shifts, when we're seeing better understanding of nutrition, when we're seeing somebody feel empowered enough to go on it alone I think it's the responsibility of a, of a good coach to support that decision because it's more than just a business absolutely and, and then remind like you mentioned like you only want what's best for your client and stuff like that uh, I always try to start off my conversations with clients especially like one who I know doesn't like to eat who's scared of food who's scared of like taking in food because they're going to gain weight but having a conversation with them and, and like I say to them like look I'm going to take you through a reverse diet you may gain a couple pounds, you're gonna be uncomfortable, um, you're gonna be full, you're gonna think that I'm sabotaging you because your mind's just gonna spin into a million different directions. But I want you to, to, to start, before you start believing any story you're telling yourself, I want you to start that story with, Cody just wants what's best for me, and he's yeah. only trying to help. And if we can just start there, then every other story we start spinning ourselves in um, yeah. can be shut down, and then we can just do the work and do the process to get going with what we wanna do. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Awesome. Okay. So 
if I don't ask these questions that I have written down um, about <laughs> pre and postnatal nutrition, um, every female listener that asks these questions <laughs> is going to punch me in my face. So Let's um, do it. I love it. I'm, I'm just curious about that stuff because if I'm being honest as a nutrition coach, that might be where I'm a little weak personally. Um, sure. But again, it's, I'm not a woman. I haven't had a baby. Um, but I, I'd love to get tons of information out about this. So what, before we even jump into that, like what led you, like I went and perused your Instagram uh, the past few days and I've looked at a lot of stuff that you put out. You put out a lot of information on pre and postnatal nutrition. What, what is the reason that you did such a deep dive into that? So, I mean, you actually just hit the nail on the head without realizing it. You said it's an area you feel weak, but you know, you're also not a woman who ever had a child. I think for me, the reason I grew so passionate about it, I mean, I, I found a love for it throughout my first pregnancy and then especially in my second pregnancy. But I think because I had been pregnant and I was like the resident mom on the team, yeah. people started asking me all of the pre and postnatal questions. And I am a big believer that just because I'm a woman, just because I had a baby, just because I experienced something doesn't make me an expert in it. Mm -hmm. I also recognize from my own experience, like how important of a time it is. If you're ever gonna care about your nutrition, that's the time to care about it. Cool. So I'm like, well, if I, if I love it and I'm fielding these questions anyway, and I feel like I can't call myself an expert just because I experienced it, then it's my responsibility to increase my education. So that was really what kind of jump-started me going through my certification courses. Um, so I received two different certifications in pre and postnatal nutrition and, you know, just have a deep love for learning more and doing the research about it. But yeah, I mean, it, like all of our stories of how we got into coaching, it came from a personal experience, but then it really accelerated because I, if I was going to be handling this, then I wanted to give it the kind of attention that it deserved. And I wanted to let people know that there are coaches in this space who are certified, that they, that, that coaches also don't have to feel like they need to handle a topic that they're not comfortable with because this topic matters. And, you know, especially if you're not certified, it, it's not necessarily something appropriate for every coach to be coaching on. Um, but that also for clients that they have people who, you know, logically understand the process and the physiological needs of mom and baby and how nutrition can support that. And then, you know, maybe for those who benefit from it, that they've got a coach who has kids. Like I have two little babies and, you know, I, I've been there and I had two very different pregnancies, two very different postpartum periods. Um, and those are still going to be different than a lot of my clients, but sometimes there's power in just feeling like you're not alone in it and that you have somebody who can relate. So that just really lit the fire for me to move into the space. My, my wife, my wife and I just had a baby seven months ago and she, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. After, after we had the baby, there was all this talk, you know, with, with our, uh, when she had our middle son, she was breastfeeding and we had learned about macros and I, and I was very, like, I was unsure when she would ask questions about like, how should I set my macros up? Um, I was so unsure with what to do with her. And then when she, uh, when we started trying to dive into the research and figure this thing out with the, the, with my four-year-old, um, there was just very limited information. And then, you know, fast forward four years, now we've got our, 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 our new baby and we're still trying to find information. And it's like, to say the least, it's very, very limited out there. There's not a lot of information on it. Um, so it's awesome that that is starting to change a little bit and that you're, it seems like you're, you're pretty much in the tip of the spear with that and helping out, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
if you think about it, who wants to test pregnant women? <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of data because nobody wants to do the research experiments required to really understand it. But there are a lot of like new pioneers in the field. Um, Lily Nichols is incredible and I utilize a lot of her research and she really goes through studies extensively and puts out a ton of great content on better understanding nutrition. Um, but, you know, even one of my certifications is with Girls Gotten Strong. They put out a lot of good content. There are more and more pioneers in this field kind of pulling a chair up to the table and saying, you know, the old RDAs for what a pregnant woman or postpartum woman should eat are no longer appropriate, but we need to help people kind of move through the BS too and better understand what actually is appropriate intake and why it matters. Yeah, I know. So, all right, uh, we have two clients that I can think of right now that uh, we have just recently found out that they are pregnant. Cool. So what would you recommend to uh, not only just those two, but anybody else who may or may not be pregnant right now? Like, What, what are some best practices that um, a woman can stick to once she has conceived and, and uh, she's with child? Like, What are some practices that they can um, implement into their nutrition to ensure that they're giving their uh, they're the best environment for their baby to grow up healthy and to uh, grow healthy in the womb. Yeah, I mean, I think in simplest terms, if we take it down to basics, we need to recognize that, I mean, and to me, it's just like incredibly mind-blowing, but that women are literally creating an entire human being from scratch. I mean, I, I have a four-month-old and it like blows my mind to think, you know, 14 months ago, nothing about her existed. Like right. that's, crazy to me. So if we're building an entire human being with their cells, with their tissues, with their DNA from scratch, then we need to be putting the correct nutrients into our body to help with their with fetal development. But we also need to make sure that we're prioritizing our own needs and our own, you know, our own bodies as well. And so obviously we could I could talk for hours on this on the complexity. Yeah. <laughs> but from like the simplest form, we're really looking at how many micronutrients can I get into my body? How can I increase nutrient density? We're recognizing that all of those vitamins and minerals that we eat are going to be utilized to create this human being. I think sometimes we get wrapped around the axle so much with macros that we forget micros. Mm -hmm. um, and we're so focused on like, well, I have to hit 200 grams of carbs and it's late at night and whatever. So I'm just going to like eat this granola bar without really shifting the focus of how many nutrients can I get into my system right now? How can I, how can I give my baby all of the building blocks that it needs? How can I also make sure that I'm not depleted in nutrients so that I'm reducing my risk of feeling lethargic or nauseous or foggy headed? You know, we're, we're really shifting the focus to more health than just utilizing tools like macros to work towards aesthetic or work towards performance. You know, it, it, it's not quite a solution focused. It's more, how can I optimize my health and what kind of healthy habits can I build in that will be sustainable? So with my son, I had been tracking macros. I tracked macros my pretty much my whole pregnancy with him. With my daughter, I didn't. Um, I kind of used ranges sometimes, but a lot of it was just way more focused on how can I get in how many you know, as many nutrients as I can. And I was very fortunate. I had very different pregnancies, but both healthy, very minimal complications. Um, but, you know, just different focuses. And, and I'll be honest, I was 
a little bit less stressed food-wise with my daughter than I was with my son. Um, and my weight gain was managed with both of them. But a lot of times with clients, I'm trying to just build in, okay, on the simplest terms, what kind of healthy habits can we do? Can we make sure that you're drinking enough water? Can we make sure that you're on a really awesome prenatal? And by great prenatal, I mean one that has folate instead of folic acid, one that has micronutrients like choline and vitamin D and B vitamins. Um, can we make sure that it's from a reputable source? Can we make sure that you're getting out in the sunshine? Can we make sure that you're managing your stress? Can we get you into a good nighttime routine to make, make sure you're sleeping well? Um, can we give you foods that we know are extra rich in those micronutrients that you need? Like having whole eggs with the yolk, having good sources of omega-3 fatty acids like salmon, having slow-cooked meats, you know, things that really bring in extra nutrient density. And that has nothing to do with numbers or are my fats higher than my carbs? That just has to do with how can we create the best environment and give you as a mother the foundation you need to support baby and you through pregnancy and postpartum. And, and a lot of it is also starting early. I think a lot of people wait until they get their that positive pregnancy test and that's okay, you know, it's not too late. But for women who even think that they wanna conceive in the first year, start early. Go ahead and start filling those nutrient stores. Go ahead and start creating healthy habits for yourself. Find an exercise regimen that works for you and makes you feel satisfied. Go ahead and get to an ideal weight because ideal weight has a strong correlation with pregnancy complications. You know, it doesn't have to be anything dramatic, but it can still be these little habits that you're building over time before you even get pregnant. I think sometimes, and, and I'm so fortunate that my wife is a robot <clears throat> and she's able to stay on course and, and, and track food and be pretty mindful. And that's not to say that she didn't go and have an Oreo or two every now and then, but for the most part, she keeps it, you know, she keeps it in line. Um, but it, unfortunately, I, I see a lot of women that sometimes they'll, they'll become pregnant and then they'll um, end up giving into all these cravings and allowing some of these things to slip a little bit. Whereas like what I hear you're saying is that you actually need to be more focused and disciplined. Is that correct? Yeah. And I, and again, it's like you said, it, it's not about being perfect. Like I gave into cravings and there were times that life was crazy, especially with my second pregnancy. My, you know, when I found out I was pregnant, my son was eight or nine months. So, you know, it was meal prep was not always super easy. And a lot of things were on the go and, and that's okay too. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it's just more where your energy lies and what you're focusing on. And so I think it was less, our goal is for it to be less while I'm eating for two, while I'm pregnant, this is a time I can get away with it. Well, I need more calories anyway and more. Yeah, I need, I do need some extra calories. How can I utilize that to give baby and myself even more of what we need? Um, now is the time that it really matters and my body is really sensitive to everything that I'm putting into it. If I'm craving some ice cream, then I'll plan to have a little bit of ice cream. You know, I, I can satisfy that craving. If I recognize that I'm having ice cream just because I want something sweet and I'm just as satisfied with Greek yogurt with berries and chia seeds in it and whatever, then maybe I'll opt for that instead. I mean, there can be a balance, but yes, the, the majority of the focus should actually be upping the ante on nutrient density because it's not just about you anymore. It's about baby's development too. So much, so much great information that you're, you're, you're talking about. And, and I hope again, guys, guys and gals, if you don't have those notepads out, you are, you are missing the boat. Um, so along that line, so we're talking, you know, predominantly right now about being pregnant or pre-pregnancy. Um, what about after having the baby? What are some best practices, especially, uh, and this is something that 
uh, I'm, I'm thinking of several clients that are going to get get benefits from this answer, but you know, we've had the baby we're postpartum now. Um, what is, what are some great practices that you can implement from there? Um, especially for moms that are, uh, breastfeeding, like what are some practices that can go with all that? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. You cut out. <laughs> I, know. I, I saw my, I saw my thing, uh, my, my internet connection. So guys, we had a little blip in there. I apologize. So the, the question was, um, women who are postpartum or uh-huh. and are breastfeeding, what are some practices that they can implement? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that it's important that we phys- physiologically understand that you're going to be experiencing changes even postpartum. Just because baby's on the outside doesn't mean things aren't still happening for the postpartum mom, especially if they're breastfeeding, they're still going to have an increased basal metabolic rate, which means that just for basic functioning, they require more calories. Um, and, and then they require calories for milk production as well. Um, so I think you know, a trap that we tend to fall into as women is we like pop that baby out and we're like, great, now I can get my body back. And that is like a whole different mindset related issue that I could talk about extensively. I don't know where we think our body goes. Like if anything, it's shown up for us consistently and amazingly the last nine months. But, you know, I think so many women almost see like labor and delivery as this finish line and then they can start focusing on fat loss again. I also think that there's this misconception that we all lose fat when we're breastfeeding. I know for me in particular, I breastfeed and I always hold on to like an extra seven to 10 pounds when I'm breastfeeding. My body just naturally knows that it needs to hold on to fat stores. So I think the best thing that we can do as postpartum breastfeeding moms is recognize that this looks different for everyone and not have any major expectations from a body composition perspective of what this is supposed to look like. I think that it's still an opportunity to get in as many nutrients as possible, you know, especially if you're exclusively breastfeeding. Just because you're not pregnant anymore doesn't mean you're not exclusively responsible for feeding that baby and keeping them alive and giving them all of the nutrients that they need to continue growing and developing. Their brain is still developing. They're still utilizing all of the nutrients that you're giving them. And so, you know, continuing to get in all of those micronutrients rich foods, um, making sure that you're staying hydrated, making sure that you're resting as much as you can. You know, I think I think that there's a level of self-care that gets overlooked postpartum. I also think that we go through nine months of getting checked in on regularly, mostly because we're carrying the baby, but right. there's appointments are about our body, how we're functioning, and then we deliver and all of the attention's on the baby. And I love my babies. I am all about them getting checked out. But <laughs> But we as women deserve to still be checked on as well. You know, we just carried a human and delivered that human. It's an incredibly radical transformation for the female body to go through. Our hormones plummet as soon as we deliver that baby. They're trying to be rebuilt. We're exhausted. We're dealing with interrupted sleep. We might be dealing with identity changes, role changes. We might look in the mirror and not recognize a body that we that we used to love or that we had grown to accept, you know, there's incredible mindset shifts that go as well. And I think that it becomes very easy to get into this vortex of eating less or exercising more or feeling this responsibility to transform right away, not realizing that you, that you already transformed and that it's okay to use that, that phase, knowing that it's just a season to really nourish your body and to support the development of baby. Um, And I think it comes down to even on simplest terms, if you're in a caloric deficit, 
especially postpartum, you're in a nutrient deficit. And if our primary goal is to get as many nutrients in, so baby has what it needs and that we're not left depleted, then, then that's really what our main focus should be. It's always a really difficult conversation that, that I've ever had to have. And um, to be honest with you, I, I don't always feel comfortable in that conversation because it's hard to tell. Again, like I'm not a woman and I don't want to pretend that I understand what they're going through. But, you know, we'll have people come to us and, you know, they're postpartum, they're, they're breastfeeding and they're like, you know, how much of a deficit should I be in? And, you know, they're, the, the information that I personally read is like, you know, a breastfeeding mom can eat five to 600 more calories and their deficit will come from breastfeeding. And that's, uh, it's just a conversation that I always feel is very difficult to have with somebody. Um, right. How do you approach that conversation when they come to you and they're, they're like just head on, I got to get this baby fat off right away. Like what does that conversation look like? Is it just more of what you just mentioned before or is that an entitled, an entirely different conversation? I mean, it piggybacks on that. I think education is powerful, but when my postpartum clients come to me and say, what kind of deficit should I be in? I say, you shouldn't, Yeah. you know, I think that that's really where we're at. And we, I'm like, let's treat it like a period as part of your plan. Just like we have diet phases and reverse phases and maintenance phases, you know, there are different seasons to your nutrition and this is breastfeeding season. Like that's where we're at. If you want to breastfeed for four months, six months, a year, two years, we need to navigate how to support that. Um, and that, you know, that doesn't doesn't mean that they can't make positive changes for themselves over the course of a year of breastfeeding. It just means that in the grand scheme of things, that year will be a blip on their radar, but, but that is what their focus is. That's what has to matter. Just like when clients come to me and they're like, I am all in on fat loss. And I'm like, okay, then we're going to have to, you know, put performance on the back burner. We're going to put quality of life on the back burner for this season. Your primary goal is fat loss. For this season, for my postpartum clients, their primary focus is on breastfeeding and healing and recovery. And so I try and educate them on why, and I try and review a lot of the things we discussed. I also try and review with them why they might not see fat loss. The fact that they do have higher BMR rates, the fact that their hormones aren't properly balanced or are rebuilding in their system, as well as why they might not want to achieve fat loss even if they, even if they could. Going back to, if you're in a caloric deficit, you're going to be in a nutrient deficit, going back to the fact that we are constantly exposed to different toxins, day-to-day -day living through our personal care products, household products, aluminum foil, water, all the things. And if we break down fatty tissue really, really quickly, it's going to recirculate all of those toxins back into our system. That only, not only re-exposes us, that re-exposes baby through breast milk. I mean, there are not only reasons why we might not be able to achieve fat loss. There are reasons why we might not want to be able to achieve fat loss. And so it's also having clients recognize why breastfeeding is so important to them and the benefits of that, really understanding what their body's been through just because they maybe didn't have a C-section and don't have any sort of visible scars or wounds that they feel like they have to heal doesn't mean that they didn't just again, create and develop a human and then deliver it. Like there's still a lot of healing that has to be done. And, and I think that a lot of women feel supported by the education. They feel supported to have permission to be okay, to just be in this period and not do. And honestly, some women still struggle with it. And so then we start saying like, okay, what is it that you really want out of this? And it's more, I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel confident. I want to feel in control. And it's like, okay, well, let's start exploring ways that we can do that outside of just fat loss. 
Man, I love that. It, all I hear through everything you just said is how important conversation and communication is with uh, yourself, with your your coach, anybody that you come in contact with, especially like the coach client relationship. Uh, I've really discovered like the communication aspect is so huge. And and for my clients that do have struggles, like, uh, you know, um, not even just uh, clients that are, are postpartum, but just anybody like the communication aspect of having those conversations, educating them on why certain things are the way they are. Um, and then uh, it can help them to come to terms with that. Um, and, and there's so much amazing stuff in what you just said. Now, I'm going to respect your time. We're coming close here to, to, the, to the hour here. So I'll hit you with some closing questions here and then let you go be super mom the rest of the day. Um, so, so what's next for you? Like, what should we expect to see? Is it just more of the same? Should we see some more uh, of the amazing information you've been putting out? Or do, is there something looming in the future that uh, you could share with us? Like, what's next? Yeah, I mean, the goal is to continue putting out content. I try really hard to base my content around mindset-related issues, personal journey, perspective, um, and, of course, pre- and postnatal. I'm currently in the process of writing a master's course for the Nutritional Coaching Institute on pre- and postnatal nutrition. So that's primarily for coaches who want to further their understanding of how to coach clients through that period. Not a certification course, but an awesome educational opportunity. Um, and just to kind of continue to, to really also try and build up the emphasis on mindset in pregnant women and during postpartum time, especially because I, I think that it's becoming more talked about, but I still feel like a lot of women just kind of walk that journey alone. So that's just a really particular passion project that I have of addressing mindset as related to pregnancy and postpartum as well. So yeah, hopefully more of the same and, and getting more educational opportunities out there and just continuing to reach out to more clients as I can. I know when I see those courses out, I'm going to be sure to send a couple of my coaches to it because I, I, we do, we do come in contact with those situations all the time. And I'd, I'd rather us be, uh, more equipped. I feel like maybe you know, my wife has been really doing a deep dive into um, some of the pre and postnatal or breastfeeding stuff, and it's been awesome. Um, but I'm really excited to see that come out from you. Now, awesome. last question I always ask everybody uh, I, this is something I get questions about all the time. So I always ask my clients now uh, about books, education's everything, content's everything. Yeah. What, what would you say would be your three uh, top books or, or books that you recommend the most to people? Yeah. So, in terms of mindset, I love the subtle art of not giving a fuck. That's probably uh, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, if anyone hasn't read it, I just love the perspective. I love the emphasis on what we should actually care about um, and kind of better understanding what we value in the world, how that moves us through the world. So from a mindset thing, from a mindset topic, that's my favorite. And, you know, I, I mentioned Brene Brown that earlier anything by her I think is excellent I guess that could be too um from a pre and postnatal perspective Lily Nichols uh Real Food for Pregnancy is fantastic it's an easy read it's well researched there's a lot of science but it doesn't feel like laborious reading through all of these research articles so um yeah from a pregnancy related perspective that's that's probably my favorite from a personal perspective <laughs> um, my favorite is In Cold Blood by Truman Capote because I think sometimes we just need to read things that have nothing to do with the work we do <laughs> I know I was just thinking the other day uh we just finished watching the the most recent episode of Game of Thrones and I was like hmm I really want to know what's going to happen I think I might go ahead and read some books and I'm more <laughs> of like a um a nonfiction like uh, yeah. personal development type guy like that's what I like to read um, but I would I would love to just go into a fantasy land and 
and read something like the Game of Thrones books myself. Yeah. So I completely get that. Um, so Jess, where can people find you? Where, where, I mean, if you want to go ahead and do a couple of plugs here, where can people follow you? I don't know if you have a website or not or, or whatever yeah. website you want to promote. Go ahead and plug yourself. Yeah, I mean, the main website where you can see my bio, blogs, find out a little bit more about me is through the IN3 website. I believe it's IN3Nutrition.com. Um, primarily work-wise, I put most of my stuff up on Instagram. That's Jess Durando, D-U-R-A-N-D-O with an underscore. So Jess Durando underscore. Those are kind of the primary places. Feel free to reach out and connect. I love getting messages. I love helping people with any questions or topics that they have. And yeah, those are kind of the best places to seek me out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jess, thanks so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'm going to probably play this back and I'm sure my wife will a few times too. And, and, and some of our other female listeners and coaches. So I appreciate your time today and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. It was so much fun. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show today. Before you go, do me a favor, head on over to iTunes, go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you like and love about the podcast. Tell us about guests that you want us to have on or uh, really any feedback that you have for us, we're completely open to it. Um, and then do me another favor, go ahead and take a screenshot, go ahead and post it on your Instagram story or your feed and tag it. I love to know who's listening to this and then um, see who's getting value from it. And then one last thing before you go, if you happen to be looking for remote workout programming or nutrition counseling, um, myself and my team are doing, doing some great work with people both remotely and in our uh, gym location here in Silverdale, Washington. So um, if you're interested in that, go ahead and send me an email at Cody at CrossFit7Cities.com and we'll go ahead and get you started. Um, and again, thanks for listening today. This is the Create Yourself Podcast.